So we talk about the training of the mind, the development of the mind, this mind, this jitta, that which is the one who knows, the one who knows aramanas, sense impressions, that's what we call the mind. And having known sense impressions, we need to have wisdom to see the truth of experience in order to not suffer. And if we don't have wisdom, the mind chases after these sense impressions. This becomes a problem for the practitioner. So what do we do then in order to bring the mind not to chase after all the sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, mind objects? So the Buddha discovered the way to the, bring the mind to have clear knowing, to not be deluded, how to train the mind to be intelligent. And so one uses a kamatana meditation object to do this. This word kamatana, kama meaning work and tana place, it's our place of work. So when we come to train the mind in bhavana, mental cultivation, we see the experience arise, experience arises and ceases, and sometimes the mind is chaotic and agitated, sometimes the mind's not peaceful, this is normal. So we have to have effort, we have to have unceasing effort and perseverance, have patient endurance, keep trying, keep trying to train the mind, but don't control the mind too much. Also don't let the mind go too much. And keep practicing every day, then the mind will gradually become more and more peaceful. And you can use contemplation to bring the mind to peace as well. You can contemplate the body. So one contemplates the body, one with wisdom, contemplates the body as a heap of elements, these natural elements of earth, air, fire, and water. The body is just a heap of these elements. And when one is able to see the body in this way, then the mind becomes peaceful and still in samadhi through contemplation. So one can use the meditation object bhutto or the in and out breathing these are samatha kamatanas, or tranquility meditation objects. And contemplation also is a samatha kamatana as well. So one contemplates the body as not beautiful in terms of the 32 parts, for instance. And this is for the sake of bringing the mind to samadhi and stillness. And once the mind is in samadhi and still, then one can see the mind proliferate and can know the proliferation in time, can see it in time. And if the mind has sufficient strength, then one can see the Dhamma, if the Samadhi is enough. It's like we've read in the texts, we see that this body is just a automaton, just a machine or a robot like a car or a plane that has a driver or a pilot. The mind is the pilot of the body. It's just a robot or machine. So when the mind is peaceful and still, can see the truth of this, that it's just an automaton, just a machine, 
The body is just the body and truth. There's no self to be found there. But usually we see it as self. But if we can see it as not self, then the mind becomes empty of convention. And this is able to cure our problems. So this is the mind with wisdom. So the mind without wisdom clings to things that are not self as self. So this is not seeing the true self. To see the truth self is to see that there is no self. But we don't know this. It's like a, a small child sees the mother and father when they were 20 years old. For instance, a photo of them receiving their bachelor degree and the child cries because they're not in the picture, only their mother and father are in the picture. Then the adults explain to the child that uh, you weren't born yet, that's why you're not in the picture. But the child doesn't understand this, and so they cry. Then they want to take another picture with them in it. So the adults see the the kid or the child in this way, and they see that the child is deluded, doesn't have wisdom. So this is the wisdom of a child versus the wisdom of an adult. And Dhamma practice is the same way. The mind that doesn't have wisdom yet is like a mind that's homeless, that has no refuge, just keeps seeking after objects to cling to without any end to it. So we need to bring the mind to seek out the Dhamma, to see the Dhamma. And then we see how the mind keeps clinging, grasping after objects, grasping after things that are not self, not me or mine. And so a deluded mind is like this, operates like this, because it's deluded, like a child. So the mind that's an adult understands the meaning of this. The mind with wisdom is a mind that is an adult. And there's worldly wisdom as well. And this worldly wisdom is good, can be useful, but it doesn't cure our suffering, doesn't take away our suffering. We still have suffering, worry, and concern. So we need to train the mind. We need to contemplate the body. That the body is just a heap of earth, air, fire, and water. These natural elements that degrade and disintegrate. So we practice to see them as not beautiful. And when we see them as not beautiful, the mind becomes brighter and brighter. So we practice in the beginning we try to bring the mind to peace and samadhi through the practice of bhavana, mental cultivation. In the beginning, the mind feels chaotic, so we have to rely on the quality of patient endurance first. Sitting, walking, standing, lying down, we endeavor to have a lot of mindfulness. Or speaking or keeping silent, we try to have mindfulness. We don't get disheartened, we don't give up, we keep doing this every day. Meditating in the morning, meditating in the evening. And for monastics they have time waking up at 4am, practicing with the kamatana, going on alms round, practicing with the kamatana. Afternoon, doing meditation, 
doing sitting and walking, then in the evening doing meditation before sleep, sitting meditation again. So in a given day, one is able to have many hours of sitting, many periods of walking and sitting in order to bring the mind to samadhi. And if the mind's in samadhi, then it's able to know. The mind without samadhi sees things in terms of self. And the mind with samadhi can see not self. To see that in truth, it's not self. In the beginning, the Dhamma practitioner asks, why is their mind suffering? Why is it chaotic? Why is it not peaceful? Just closing the eyes, there's so many thoughts bouncing around in the mind. Before sitting in meditation, one can remember having rapture and happiness. But one comes to train the mind again, and one needs to practice. So one sees that this samadhi that arose in the beginning, the mind and body feeling light, where it takes time for the samadhi to arise. In the beginning, just sitting five minutes, one feels that one can't do it. But then later on, after practicing, one can sit for an hour, the mind feeling peaceful, feeling rapture and happiness and fullness, the body and mind feeling light and at ease. This is happiness of another type, a happiness that one doesn't need to seek externally. One doesn't need to go seeking far and wide for this happiness. One can stop seeking on the outer level and enter into a state of stopping thoughts, stopping all proliferation of mind. So this is seeking samadhi, to not think, to be able to cease thoughts. So one keeps practicing peace and samadhi can arise. And we can contemplate all these thoughts that we're aware of. We contemplate them as convention, whether it's hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, and skin, male and female. These are just names, just conventions, just labels we apply to things like cow, buffalo, duck, chicken, when these things are born, they don't have that name, but these are, we give them names, give names to all the different things that we encounter according to the various languages of the world. So the mind that has samadhi can see that all these things, they're really, it's not like that, they're, they don't exist. They're just impermanent suffering and not self. Just the nature of Dhamma arising. This is the experience of Dhamma arising, which is truly a miracle. So all the things that we've seen before, we see them all as convention, as samuti. This is wisdom arising to see that really they're not there that all things arise and cease, then wisdom arises. We see it as not self, not me and mine. We see that it's as if we're in a house that's on fire, and we need to seek a way out. 
This is insight, knowledge arising. We see that in truth it's like this, that all people are heading towards old age, sickness and death. So seeing this, then we seek a way out of this predicament. And this is what the Buddha saw before his awakening. Then he realized awakening, realized the fruit of the deathless, and taught the path to realize that same deathless, and taught us all the way to realize Buddha. So we try to walk that path to practice, to practice genuinely and sincerely, to give rise to rapture and fullness in the heart in order to see the Dhamma, to give rise to inner happiness and fullness. Seeing the Dhamma, the mind is very bright and radiant. If the mind clings to material form and mentality, the mind is dark and obscured, has it having self and me and mine. This is the mind that just gets ever darker and darker. So the Buddha taught to have generosity and virtue, to clean the mind, to give rise to the feeling that we are one who gives, one who is generous, give on the outer level, giving on the outer level, and we seek a wealth that's on the inner level. We come to study the Dhamma, listen to the Dhamma. This gives rise to joy and happiness in the heart. For instance, listening to music, this isn't the contentedness and happiness of meditation. It's not the same. This is the happiness of being lost in sensuality, lost to a great degree in sense objects. So when we come to train and practice Dhamma like this, it's a miracle. It's something amazing. We see all the people in the world must die. And on the last day, when we're, it's the last day of our lives about to die, then what do we value? If we were able to be the sole owner of everything in the world, we feel that we might like that. But if we feel we don't have that many minutes left to our life before we die, we feel that all those things would have no value to us. And better to seek out inner wealth, seek something of more value than that. Just like the disciples in the time of the Buddha, they lost a great deal of wealth and they were trying to find it. They went seeking out that wealth that they had lost. And the Buddha saw them and asked, well, what are you looking for? They said, we're looking for the wealth that we lost. And the Buddha said, well, why not look for inner wealth? And so these disciples had wisdom. So they decided to seek out that inner wealth. So the Buddha taught generosity, taught virtue, taught restraint that leads to heavenly states. They taught that this happiness of the heavenly states is uncertain, it doesn't last. And the Buddha taught the holy life, renunciation, the arising of samadhi, peace of mind, 
and taught that all materiality and mentality is impermanent, suffering and not self. And those disciples were able to realize stream entry, once returnership, non-returnship, and arahantship, a full awakening, realizing, becoming true children of the Buddha. So this is inner wealth. So for ourselves, even those who've ordained, may you all set your hearts on this practice of meditation to seek out inner wealth, to see the nature of arising and ceasing, to see the truth, to see and realize this inner wealth, which is of great value, which is seeing the Dhamma. And when one sees the Dhamma, then the faith in the Buddha becomes completely full in the heart. Faith in the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, full in the heart. So may you strive and practice and train, practice the path to the end of suffering, which is the way to true happiness. So may you set your hearts on this, even if it's difficult, then it, it does lead to happiness in the present. It's the cause for future happiness as well. And so we see that this time of ours is of great value. The days and nights are constantly passing by. So therefore may you do merit and goodness to the utmost of your ability. Do merit and goodness a lot. So may you all set your hearts on this.